I can tell he doesn't think I'm cool. <laughs> Little does he know. I- I'm a bomb ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Inverto Mafia. That's Sarah. And that's Kayla. Today is our first episode back after a very long hiatus. So Yes. We're here. We're here. We're back. It's good to see you. Sarah's turned into a crazy cat lady while we were gone. We've <laughs> I blame the pandemic soft- yeah. softening my husband up. Because I would I mean, mm. I would be a crazy cat. I was a crazy cat lady in high school. Oh yeah, you've talked about that. Yeah, I mean, the pandemic has really has changed a lot of a lot of things in the world. It so has. much has happened. Oh, do you remember almost a year ago when like this is so cute to me now that the whole world was like, "What is this joke called Tiger King?" And like that was like, "Oh yeah." The biggest thing in the world and, you know, just think of all the the things that have happened. Now he's in just the last year rotting in jail. I wonder how his hair looks. Probably not great. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks to be him. Yeah. So we've had, well, we've had some personal stuff going on that we'll address later and out of the box of, as far as like where we've been and why and all of that. But um, we did want to get get going again and we have we're thinking about like a new format to the show um maybe a little bit shorter episodes with we just kind of a new outlook less emphasis on or at least for me like getting it perfect yeah (laughs) this is a big theme in my life right now is not trying to be perfect just have fun with it because Um, is perfect really perfect i want you you to let loose perfect (laughs) I'm going to let my hair down. <laughs> um, we have TikTok now. Sarah, that's all you because I don't even have the app. So so you don't go on TikTok at all? I don't, I don't understand TikTok. I don't go on TikTok. If I see a TikTok, it's through another social media, like it, through <laughs> Instagram or something. It's addicting. No. Well, the, see, and this is why I can't. I I can't add another addictive social media platform to my life because I know about boundaries now. <laughs> well, good. It's kind of it's <laughs> taken the place of Facebook because Facebook's kind of boring. Mm-hmm. I learn. Oh yeah, no. It's and there's people our age, like thirties and you know up and whatever, on there doing their own stuff. It's not like I'm watching teenagers. Like making out with each other and dancing and whatever they do. Yeah, that's my impression of TikTok is like a bunch of teenagers dancing. And I know it's more than that because I've seen people have shared this or that, whatever. Some of it's really entertaining. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to add another thing. But anyway, going back to what I was saying earlier about like, I think the last time we recorded an episode was like fall of 2019. And... Just yes. as we were getting get started again, we were talking about it. Of course, the coronavirus graced the world with its presence. So everything shut down. 
It was really taxing on all of us, obviously. Yeah, it was so weird. 2020 was such a weird year. Um, I don't know about you, but like I basically had to quit my job because my girls couldn't be in preschool anymore. And of course, they became the priority. Um, Bill, I had to quit my on. job and I got cat <laughs> because I had to take care of the cats. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on, Bill. No, you're a Bill. No, no, no. He, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that he held on to his job, but he also like was affected, took a significant pay pay cut. So. There was just a lot of strain on the family, obviously. It wasn't a great time for us to keep podcasting. So it's only been now, you know, like a year later that I feel like we're starting to maybe claw our way out of this pandemic hole. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, and mean, I kind of coer- coerced, coerced you. Uh, there we are. <laughs> I can't pronounce things. I kind of pushed you into it because I'm like, I'm going to do it with or without you. And you're like, oh, maybe... I think you need me. No, I did not <laughs> no. say that. You did not say it, but you're thinking it. No, no it's not I the don't. same without you and me. Well, I, f- I finally felt like I was in a place where I could do it again. So we're just well, giving good. it a try. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. So... I guess we wanted to start, I don't know, sharing like what's happening in an infertility news, like kind of keep you up on the up and up and uh, keep us and on the up and up, keep us on the up and up, keep you on the up and up. So the most obvious thing I think to talk about, because it's affected everyone is like the psychological impact that COVID has had, the pandemic has had on people seeking fertility treatments or having your treatment suspended or canceled or whatever. So you found an article. An article. It's a journal it? article. And Ooh, it's yeah. very smart of you. Ooh, it was published in September of 2020. So we haven't. So I guess it's a little bit, bit old for news wise, but, um, uh, I don't even know if these people, they might have, like, asked us to put a link out for this. I don't remember, though. I don't know oh. how they, I think that they found people on Facebook. So, mm. um, 52, there were 92 women, ages 20 to 45, and their treatments had been canceled or postponed because of the pandemic. Because how long were places closed? How long were the... I don't know. I think it depended on the state and just, yeah, I don't, I think it depend, depended yeah. on where you live. Yeah. So 92 women, uh, they were in Canada, the United States. Uh, 52% of them said that uh, they probably had clinical levels of depression or at least the symptoms of it. And mm-hmm. so that's 52%. So for the people who did better, I guess that would be the 48%, they had certain things in common. So the things that they had in common were um, they had lower levels of defensive pessimism. And have you ever heard of that before? Defensive pessimism? I feel like... I'm a little bit of a defensive pessimist because you're like, oh, 
Like, it's if you're going to take a quiz and then you're like, oh, I'm going to fail this. And then you go in oh, and ace yeah, it. Yeah. And then you're like, oh. It's Surprise. the idea of like, I want to keep my expectations low so I don't get disappointed. Yes. Kind of. Like, if I if I assume it's not going to work, then if it when it doesn't work, I'm not as disappointed kind of thing. Yeah, which... I think you're still as disappointed. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I think you're still going to be just as disappointed. It just won't be as much of a shock. It's just a it's a coping strategy. It is. is what it, it it yeah. And I guess it's not a great coping strategy because those people did not take the cancellation of their cycles well. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Uh, people who had greater infertility acceptance, if you're like, yeah, I'm infertile, I'm doing this now, (laughs) it is what it is, that type of thing, Mm -hmm. they were a part of the group that did better with their cycles being canceled, and people who had better social support, so that'd be like, you know, the Infertile Mafia Facebook group, which you can join. Hey, nice plug. (laughs) (laughs) And then... These people also were more socially support seeking, which you can seek at the Infertile Mafia Facebook group. <laughs> um, and they were less, I think this this last one is a big one that sticks yeah. out to me, less avoidance of infertility reminders. So the people who didn't avoid like babies and pregnancies and blah, 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 they did mm-hmm. better when their cycle was canceled. So the people, like, there there are a lot of us who did that. I'm sure you did it. I did it. Everyone probably goes to this phase where they... Where you tr- try to avoid yeah, the triggers. You're like, I don't want to see another pregnancy announcement. Another COVID pregnancy announcement. That right. type of thing. But people who All are the like, jokes about COVID babies. Yeah. yeah. Super annoying. <laughs> yeah. So... People who didn't avoid like those triggers, they did better. Oh, okay. So this kind of uh, ties into like a new concept that I've been learning in therapy about just uh, not like getting so wrapped up in your feelings and like feeling like that is what you are and who you are and like how you have to behave just based on your feelings and having a more like objective observation of them without judgment like you know what I feel really shitty right now because I can't have fertility treatments and that's okay like I'm allowed to feel this way and just not being judgmental about or like I feel really jealous yep that's just a feeling I'm having right now and that's okay and just not judging yourself for any feeling that you have because it doesn't really mean anything about you it's just a feeling yeah, and it mo- I mean, it pretty much only affects you unless you're you're pushing it out onto other people, like your reaction well, to other right. people. But you're the one who hurts the most from the feeling. But yeah. like accepting it is good. Yeah. Instead of avoiding it, is that what you're? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm saying you can accept it instead of avoid it or tr- or be or um criticize yourself for having the feeling because that is just like compounds everything when you are like, oh, I feel bad that I feel jealous. It's like, it's perfectly normal that you feel jealous or that you're angry that your cycle was canceled. These are, look at what you're going through. We're in a pandemic. Like, of course you're angry and jealous and 
whatever, fill in the blank. Those are perfectly normal. So there's just no reason to criticize yourself for having those feelings. I think I made a video about this, like jealous of pregnant people or something, like way back, 2014. Yeah, I'm I sure think I, I was talked like, about it too. It's okay being jealous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like you there's don't like the person, that, right? I think for me, it's it was, but this used to be my self talk would be like I would feel jealous, and then I would like criticize myself for feeling jealous because all these other thoughts come in, like, well, it doesn't, you know, just because she's happy doesn't mean you should be mad at her or whatever, you know, just criticizing myself. And that's just not helpful to criticize yourself in the moment instead of just saying like, hey, it's okay. Like talk to yourself the way you would talk to your best friend where you go, it's okay that you're feeling jealous. It's okay. That That's good. I like that. <laughs> I have nothing else to add. I, I agree. <laughs> I want to say one more thing about, so the... 52% you were saying of the women in this study or whatever reported having depressed depressive symptoms or correct know, like you were saying symptoms yeah. of depression i would be curious what um just like what the global like if you took a similar like uh survey from a global perspective of people going through this pandemic if the numbers would be like close to that you know what I mean it just hmm. seems like the pan probably not 52 percent but it does seem like there was just nobody who was untouched in terms of their mental uh health when it came to the pandemic and yeah, I just I think you know having infertility or like a, a cycle canceled or whatever, all of these other struggles you have in your life on top of a pandemic are so compounding. So I would just be curious what kind of I was of trying overall... to search while you were oh. talking, but <laughs> I only got psychology typed out. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, all that to say, my point is that it's really hard to live through a pandemic and Whatever you're doing is enough and you're okay. As long as you don't, like, kill people. Well, right. (laughs) (laughs) I've been listening to a lot of Morbid lately. Oh, yeah? Is that a podcast? It is a podcast. We'll talk about it in Out of the Box. Okay, gotcha. Um, Okay, so I want to talk to you about the article I picked was a big... A big buzz in the yeah, infertility yeah, yeah. community. I don't know when this is going to come out, but um, was Paris Hilton. <laughs> yes. Need I say more? <laughs> I think people most people were pissed. in the community. People were so pissed. I Tell think non-infertile thoughts. people were pissed, too. There's probably <laughs> probably yeah. because they just Do don't you like s- her. My, my, right. Like, what I think? Okay, so... Well, tell us, tell tell us what happened. Paris Hilton was on a podcast or something and she told people, she told the host, yeah, I just finished doing IVF and we did the transfer and I'm doing it. Did she do it in her low voice or high voice? I don't know. I didn't listen to the interview, but she, her low voice or high voice. Well, either she like, (laughs) 
either she talks like this and she's like i'm like a little baby or or she has a really low voice like Mm -hmm. in general it'd be like probably like me because i kind of have a low voice and she has the vocal fry and everything right i digress i'm sorry um (laughs) basically she said she did ivf to get girl boy twins and she already has the names picked out she made it controversy is theirs because she said i'm doing ivf so i can have boy girl twins like that's what really rubbed people the wrong way right yes was there anything else that she said i Uh, I think it was just the fact it was mostly that she did it for gender basically like eugenics in a way like picking the gender i guess that's not eugenics but no it's not designer baby (laughs) I have an unpopular opinion. Go ahead. On this whole thing. I really don't care either way. But I don't really care either way either. I just noticed that it was, oh, it caused quite the flurry in in the community, in the infertility community. And I understand why. Because she spoke so flippantly about it as if anyone could just waltz into a fertility clinic and like, choose to have boy girl twins and of course that's so frustrating for people with infertility it just perpetuates it's like stereot- yeah it's just all the all of this misinformation to the public of like how ivf works it just makes our job harder of like trying to um educate and defend um re- you know actual medical reasons for ivf yeah but <laughs> So I just, yeah, all the people who are outraged, you're absolutely entitled to feel that way. She, you know, she, she, it, she said a stupid thing. Um, and she also, you know, she, she made it sound completely tone deaf about what it means to go through infertility. Again, just like the flippancy um, and, and like she was using IVF on her own convenience because she, she's a rich white woman and because she can. And that dismisses the incredibly painful experience most of us have but okay here's the but (laughs) but but i will give her the benefit of the doubt for a few really kind of lukewarm reasons and number one she knows her brand like she was one of the first reality tv stars she knows how to generate a headline she knows playing the dumb blonde works for her. So I guess I'm just like not at all surprised by what she said. Yeah, it's just I'm like, not surprised either. It's just like, I, it's one of those times, it's just like roll your eyes because it's Paris Hilton. Like, is anyone going to take her seriously? Like as far as um, being like a, an advocate for the infertility community or for the IVF community? No. No, and she, I guess she wouldn't take that role on. Because, I mean, no. she's 39, right? Yes. So, And that was going to be my next point. Like, she used the explanation of doing IVF to have boy-girl twins. I think she did that to deflect that in all likelihood, she probably actually may need IV, IVF. At 39... She may not want to disclose that to the world. And frankly, she doesn't have to because no. she doesn't owe anybody that. It's nice when celebrities open up and talk about that. But 
we aren't owed a peek behind the curtain of every aspect of their lives. So at age 39, she might be just like, okay, realistically speaking, my odds are low to do this quote unquote naturally. I hate that term. I'm going to say Oh, and that, that was the one that made me mad because I think she said something about naturally in there. Someone yeah, did at some point recently in an article, and I think it was that. Yeah. So she she may just be like, oh, I actually need to do IVF because of my age. Like, and I but I don't want to say that. And and, you know, whatever. She doesn't have to. No. So. I'll give her I'll give her the benefit of the doubt on her reasoning for IVF. But here's where I don't fault her for wanting to choose the sex. Would you have chosen like, girl boy twins? Uh <laughs> I'm glad I didn't have the choice. Hmm. I wouldn't have wanted to choose. But that's me. Like We've talked about this before that women who go through IVF, like one of the tiny silver linings, if you if you want to see it that way, Mm -hmm. is that you are able to choose the sex because most people now do um, genetic testing. And sometimes they don't even have a choice like they have to choose because they just they're like, oh, yeah, you're having a boy. Right. They just inevitably, inevitably, like, they find out the sex of the embryos, and so they have to make a choice. Um, so some people look at that as a perk, like, well, I want to have a girl first and then a boy. And I don't judge them for that at all. Like, Chrissy Teigen got so much heat for doing the same thing, like, saying she chose the sex of her embryo when she... and. Most of us in the infertility community defended her at the time. I don't know how this is any different. Like, I just think the way she said it, she just sounded, you know, like an idiot. <laughs> well, I think Christy Teigen, is it Christy or Chrissy? Chrissy. Chrissy, sorry. Chrissy Teigen, I, I think that she she said it in a way that, like, we would. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I have a yeah. boy in the freezer because you know. Right, right, right. So. Because she, and she's, she talks to the infertility community. She's like been a huge advocate. And so like, we know that she gets it. This Paris is just like, you know, one flippant comment on a podcast that makes her sound like completely like she has no idea what she's talking about. So. um, And who knows? She could. I don't know. We don't know. Right, exactly. That's why I'm just like, whatever, just ignore her. It's She probably does know much more than she's letting on because, again, it's Paris Hilton, and she knows her brand, and she knows what sells. So, whatever. I wish she would have chosen her words more carefully, but But then we whatever. wouldn't be talking about her, probably. Or we exactly. might be. I don't know. But I don't think we would. <laughs> no, yeah. Funny, fun fact about Paris Hilton I wore Paris Hilton shoes for my wedding. Oh. They were really cute. I can only find one now. (laughs) Where'd the other one go? It's a mystery. (laughs) So I'll give a trigger warning right now for anyone listening. Like... I we I'm going to talk about depression, anxiety, and abuse. And so if any of that is like too much for you, then it's totally fine if you want to turn the podcast off. Um 
but yeah, so I, we talked about at the top that, you know, where have we been? We were recording and then we'd all of a sudden just like vanished and disappeared. <laughs> yeah. And that was mostly my fault or not my fault. It was a needed thing that happened, but I apologize that, you know, there wasn't more explanation for it. Um, and I do want to share a little bit about that now. And I think you'll understand why. Um, so going back to, to that fall of 2019, I was finally diagnosed with like, with pretty severe anxiety and depression, which I know we've talked about a little bit on the podcast, Sarah, you've been really open about it, um, taking medication and all of that. Um, but you, yeah, you weren't I, at that point yet. Right. I was, well, I've taken medication for depression in the past, but this was like next level and I wasn't at the time. Um, but I was just having like a major mental health crisis. So for the safety of my family and myself, of course, we put podcasting on hold. Like I put a lot of things in my life on hold. It was just kind of like had to hit as much of a pause as I could. So I began some intensive treatment for my mental health, which I'll talk about in a minute. But in the meantime, um, I was able to start taking medication or as Sarah calls them happy pills. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got a new therapist who specializes in working with people with a history of trauma. And I've joined a trauma support group that's been really awesome. So we've done been doing a lot of things and I'm in a much better space now. So I just wanted to, to name that and talk about it a little bit because I feel like talking about it is another way that helps me heal. And just like just like with support with infertility, hopefully talking about what I've been through um, might encourage another person out there to seek help if they um, have been or are in a similar situation. Okay. Just going to take a breath. This is the hard part. <laughs> I feel like my palms are sweating and my heart is pounding because I'm nervous. Okay. So... As a young child, I was a victim of sexual abuse, and I was abused by someone I trusted, someone I loved, and as a young child, of course, I had no idea what was happening to me. I didn't know I was being abused. I had no language for my experience, and that was compounded by the fact that I grew up in a very strict fundamentalist evangelical Christian community where sex and sexual pleasure were almost never talked about and when they were it was basically you know to shame people for having sexual feelings <laughs> so on top of that and I don't know if this was your experience Sarah but I was also living in a household like many people where we did not talk openly about sex or sexuality we didn't talk about our body parts we didn't talk about mutual consent or healthy physical boundaries or bodily autonomy or any of those things no and so yeah same <laughs> yeah so as I got older and tried to make sense of this I did what a lot of victims of sexual abuse do I internalized all this shame I was feeling I assumed I did something wrong this was my fault my choice my doing and as a young teenager that grew into a young adult, I felt so incredibly shameful that I just tried to push all that shame down as hard as I could 
so that I could forget about it. I thought I could like separate myself from it. I treated it like that was a thing that happened a long time ago. It's not affecting me now. Um, but of course I was wrong. It has been affecting me since the first time it happened. Um, because this is not the kind of thing you can just shove down so far that you forget it. Your mind may be able to dissociate from your experience of what happened, but your body does not forget. Your lizard brain doesn't forget (laughs) the threat that happened to you. So fast forward to being a new mom with two and a half year old twins at a family gathering and something completely seemingly to me benign happened that triggered like this actual nervous breakdown where I began like hyperventilating and having a panic attack but I did not understand why and my cognitive brain just like could not make sense of what was happening but it was my my survival brain my lizard brain again it remembered in that moment it let me know like this feels threatening to me Mm -hmm. and so Um, that began my journey of uncovering all this shit that has been buried in my soul for all these years. And by the way, it's very common for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to be, um, to begin struggling more or have like major triggers when they themselves begin to have children of their own because they're now seeing what happened to them through a very different lens, obviously as a parent. So Anyway, here we are. Thank you for listening and letting me share all that with you. And like I said, I'm just hoping that maybe just by sharing this, it will give someone else courage to like seek seek help if they've been in a similar situation. Um, And it's also gives context to why it's important for me, I think for both of us to have like a bigger focus on mental health going forward with the podcast like that has been something that we've talked about that we want to incorporate more um I've learned a lot about the impacts of stress and trauma on our brains and bodies and so I would love to offer help and support any way that I can help people just live well and be healthy um despite struggling with infertility or anything else in life that was great I don't know what to say. (laughs) You don't have to say anything. (laughs) How do you even start seeking help, though? Like, if you haven't been to a therapist ever or, like, where do you even start? Well, I will say that 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 step is one of the hardest ones, is to seek the help. Like, that, that step is really tough. So, I mean, that might look different for every person, but for me personally, especially in a city this big, there's like, if you look up therapist, there's just like a jillion to choose from. Um, and, but at that stage, like when I was looking and I, and I already had a therapist, I just didn't feel like we were getting where I needed to go. And so, because I knew at that point, like what I was dealing with, I looked for someone who was like specializing in my particular area of tr- of childhood trauma, mm-hmm. and that helped me narrow the field a little bit. So, I mean, that I guess would be one advice that one piece of advice that if you, um, you know, like if if you wanted to seek help 
around the idea of like infertility or maybe loss, miscarriage or uh, pregnancy loss or stillbirth or something. There are therapists out there who specialize in exactly that area, which is very helpful when it's like someone really understands the landscape of what you're dealing with. Right. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Does I don't answer? know. Yeah. I mean, I just don't even know where to start. Like, do you just call them? Yeah. That's it. <laughs> just make an appointment. Just, it's just like seeing a, a doctor, any other kind of like healthcare professional that you would seek. You just have to take that first step of finding someone and then reaching out to them, make an appointment. And, and those all seem like, Oh, we all do these things every day. Um, but when it comes to your mental health and especially if you are in a really depressive state or really anxious state, that first step can be really, really hard to take to just pick up the phone and call someone. Um, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I tried, yeah. I know this, we we might talk about this in, I think we have it on the list to talk about in later episodes, but I was, in the fall, I was trying to get into someone to get tested for ADHD. Mm-hmm. I still didn't get into anyone. <laughs> oh. I tried calling the university clinic, no one answered. Hmm. And then when I finally got to an answering machine, no one called me back. Well, that doesn't feel good. I'm sorry. But it's okay. I encourage you to keep trying. I will at some point. Yeah, when you're ready. I mean, I'm ready. I, yeah. We, we're, do we have this on the list to talk about later on? ADHD? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it is on the list. <laughs> Especially because we both think that we have it. Which doesn't help to ma- like maintaining a steady stream of podcasts for you all. No, I feel like I need a handler. Yeah, me too. We both need handlers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Like mm live-in babysitters for adults. Yeah, if you want to take on that job. (laughs) Infertilemafia at gmail.com. Yeah. Where can people reach you if, like, someone wants to? I mean, I think, yeah, so our, our, um... We're on Instagram, the podcast is, and our personal accounts are linked in our bio. So if someone has a specific question or something or they want to reach out to me about what I just talked about, then you can certainly do it that way. Um, Of course, I would be sensitive to your anonymity or, you know, I'm not going to like share anything with other people, but yeah, if you have, if you wanted to reach out to me in that way, that, that is a way that you can do that. So, and that's totally fine if you want to, because again, like I was just saying about the mental health thing, sometimes the first step is just opening up to someone and talking to someone about it. And once you get over that hump, then it does start to get a little bit easier, just kind of bringing things out of the shadows into the light. So I would be happy to help someone in that way if um, if you'd like to talk about that. So thank you for um, reminding me of that, Sarah. Yeah. Okay, let's shift gears because we don't want to end the podcast on quite such a somber note. 
it's not somber. I'm good. Like, life is much better now. Good. But that was a lot. <laughs> and it's probably, like, is it kind of a relief now that you've gotten help yeah. for it and, like, have actually talked about it with someone? Yeah, I'll say this. It feels like... um and I, by no means am I quote unquote like cured from this trauma. Like I deal with it every day. Right. It's almost like the moment I, so the, I, I referenced this incident that happened where I had this, men, the, this like panic attack, but I didn't know yeah. why. Um, that really was the beginning of my knowing about this as an adult. Like I hadn't thought about this happening to me for, you know, over decades even. Mm-hmm. I'm almost 40 now. And so, like, th- that obviously, like, shifted me from one place in my life where I just felt like I fell down this huge mountain, like, down to the very bottom of kind of just, like, where I was trudging along. And the good thing about therapy, while I've been through, like, my own personal hell the last year, is that it does give, despite the, like, being able to have, like, just a better like being a able to enjoy my life in the present in the moment now but it does give you some like like you were saying relief in the sense of like okay so maybe this is the answer as to why I've been such an anxious person all my life why I've battled depression for a lot of my adulthood of course I have look what I've been um unconsciously trying to hold all this time and so it yeah, it does take a little bit of the burden off. If that answers yeah, your question. That does answer yeah. my question. But then you have to deal with it. So then there's yeah, that. There's so that. that's the hard part. <laughs> but dealing with it is a lot easier, not easier. Uh in my experience, dealing with it has been better than trying to push it away and ignore it. So, but they both suck. I mean, it's not easy. Yeah. But it's better. Good. Anyway. Okay. So for something a little lighter, what have been your favorite uh, binges during the pandemic? Hmm. Podcast-wise, I've been binging Morbid podcast. That's one. Of, have you ever? I told you about it this summer. I think I, I think I've heard of it. Yeah, but I haven't. I haven't listened to it yet. It Is kind it true of crime. S- yeah. It seems yeah. like us. In a way I would like. Yeah, Yeah. I think you would like it. And I have a sneaking suspicion that one of the hosts might be a part of the Infertile Club. Really? Just just a hint. I mean, (laughs) what am I trying to say? I just just feel it. My spidey senses are tingling. Mm. So I'm like, maybe, maybe, I don't know. She she's come she's across us. us. She's in the mafia. She has twins, and they're the same mm. age as your girls. So, uh, okay. Anyway, but it's really I like it a lot, and they joke around and stuff. And nice. then on Netflix, uh, the Queen's Gambit. Gambit. Have you seen it? Gam- Gambit. No, I'm resisting. Why? I'm, I don't know. Because I'm that person that like when everyone thinks it's the 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 shit thing, then I'm like, eh, I'll wait. 
You're going to miss yeah. it. I'll watch it eventually. Because everyone says it's so good, so I'm sure it is. <laughs> I think you're going to like it. I bet I will, especially because I've heard it's based set in like the 60s. Yeah. Which is my favorite, like, I mean, there's a lot of really terrible things about the 60s, but I do love the fashion and the, uh, I don't know, I just... The vibes? I like the, I like the vibes. I like... Um, shows or whatever that romanticize the 60s yeah i yeah i you should watch it (laughs) what have you been binging do you have do you have hulu yes most of most of the ones i've enjoyed are the my favorites that i've binged have been on hulu um my all-time favorite binge during the pandemic has been pen 15 oh yeah did you watch it I watched that, yeah. I watched part of it with my little sister-in-law, who's 18. And, and she's like, I don't get it. No, she's just <laughs> like, it was kind of awkward. I mean, the whole show oh, I was bet. super awkward. It's pretty adult humor, but um, yeah. I just, okay, there's something about it that just transports me back to like middle school in the best way. <laughs> I like it. I like that they take all these like horribly traumatic events that we all like or a lot of us had and then put like adult humor on like spin on it. It's like therapeutic in a way. Yes. Well, it's funny that they're both adults. I know. <laughs> and it's they're so playing well teenagers. Done. Yeah. But they're so believable. Just like the way they stand and the way they talk and the way that their yeah. mannerisms. I, I was just like blown Ugh. away. I was so impressed. Yeah. The one that they did, the episode about on AIM, like I was just oh. dying the whole time. Like that was my life. Like picking your screen name and then finding the cute guy that you like and checking you everyone's the away lyrics. message. Yeah. yeah. You just... had to have lyrics as you're away. Oh, yeah. You had to have some kind of pithy, like, you know, quote or whatever. Why'd you have to go and make things so complicated? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let us know what you're binging. What are, First, what's... Well, currently I'm watching Bling Empire, which we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah. Well, and I'm my only show that I watch right now, um, unfortunately, is The Bachelor and... There's all kinds of controversy happening with that show right now. So Still haven't watched it. I would suggest that you not now. Oh. I'm I just too too far in. Have but. no idea. Something with the host, right? He got he left. Uh, yeah, he has stepped aside because basically showed his true colors that he's a racist asshole. I mean uh, that's pretty much us- sums it up. The usual you know. The usual white male privilege just shining through. Don't get mad at us, okay? We didn't. You can get mad at me for that. I mean, I don't care if you get mad at me for that. <laughs> we didn't make things the way they are. <laughs> yeah. If you would get mad at calling someone out for being racist, uh, you need to maybe do some self-reflection. But that's just my opinion. No, it's the white male pl- privilege that people make it mad at. But I, I tried to explain it, it to my husband. I'm like, okay, who do people listen to when the both of us walk in a room? 
uh-huh. automatically. Like mm-hmm. they don't even people like if it's someone coming in to do something to the house, who do they talk to? They yeah. talk to the husband. Like even if I'm the one running things, like I've gone to neurologist appointments and the doctors were only talking to my husband about me. Right. And like looking at him to get a confirmation of what I said. Right. Like yeah, that, those are perfect that's what examples. It is. That's what it is. You don't see it as a white man because you're swimming in it. It's just the way the culture is. You don't even see it because uh, you're not in any way affected by it. Even my yeah. like, even my dad talks yeah. to my husband about things over me and I'm like trying to talk I'm like hey do you hear me hello mm-hmm. hello up there notice me <laughs> everyone <laughs> yeah I, I I would be hard pressed to find any women in the world who don't who don't have examples like that when we first moved into this house the um neighbors a few down the street like the fir- the very first time we met them First meeting. Hi, my name is this. My name is that. The next words out of this guy's mouth. What does your husband do? Like. Obviously, he makes a lot of money. So does it really matter? As if to say that, yeah, like, he's the breadwinner. You don't matter. Like, it was just, it was so insulting. It was the second question out of his mouth after what is your name? (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. no, it, it happens all the time. We could talk about it for hours. And I know you guys listening have felt it too. Down with the patriarchy. And it, like, it's not even, like sometimes I don't care if he's the one talking to people because I don't want to talk to them. So it works out sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it works out. But the fact remains that it exists. But seri- no one takes me seriously. Well, I take you seriously. Well, Yeah. Even with cats crawling all over you. You guys do. But, <laughs> you know, the world, the world doesn't take me seriously. Oh. Anyway, so, yeah, anyway. That's, that's the episode. That's it. <laughs> um, you can join our closed Facebook groups. Um, the Infernal Mafia. Mafia and the Infernal and- Mafia Bosses and Babies. That's for post-infertility. Uh, but anyone can be in there, right? Yeah. And I shouldn't say post infertility because you always you always have it. You got it, you got it. Right. Um but it's where people talk about babies and stuff, pregnancy. Uh, uh, yeah. you can follow us on Instagram, Infertile Mafia Podcast. Feel free to send us an email, infertilemafia at gmail.com. Um, we have like we reached out to all of you and asked if anyone could help us. <laughs> and a lot of you were very willing. And so we have like a few mental health experts joining us and we have a lot of exciting topics to discuss coming up um you know studies on embryos yeah uh, people like situations with people of color specifically black women being underrepresented in our community laws and legislation that affect ivf thc covid vaccines all the things we're we're talking about it so that's coming up this season on the Infertile Mafia. Yeah. 
So, and of course, don't forget to subscribe, like, do all the things. You know what blah, to blah, do. Blah, 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 blah. People probably aren't even listening at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for joining the infertile, infertile mafia. mafia bye bye